The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Climate Matters. I'm Lindsay Wood from the climate strategy company Resilience Limited and Climate Matters is brought to you by Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access radio station. Fresh FM broadcasts in Blenheim on 88.9, to Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, to the Nelson CBD on 107.2 and across the Nelson Tasman region on 104.8. It's also streamed to the planet on freshfm.net and podcasts of Climate Matters and other locally produced shows are available through freshfm.net and through the accessmedia.nz app. Well, after having been pretty blitzed by a whole lot of interviews and sessions on local government and climate, today we're going back into the traditional mode and I'm going to be referring to Climate Matters number 79, although I will take a moment to talk about Nelson's particular single transferable vote system that is used in this form of elections. So just to uh, give you a bit of a recap, what I'm going to be covering today, Climate Matters 79, has a, it's got a theme, a walk on the wilding side, and that'll become clear as you hear the issues that we're talking about. First of all, a quite an important response to the previous Climate Matters 78's comment on red jungle fowls taking over the, uh, the bird gene pool, and uh, an update on that. Then uh, a, an item entitled, Bring Back the Giant Mower. Then also one called Seeing the Wood for the Trees, We're Damned If We Do and We're Damned If We Don't. And that references a, a rather interesting newsroom article. <clears throat> George Monbiot will be known to many as an outspoken but well-informed climate and environment commentator in the UK. And we have a, a reference to an interview with him, which I've called The Answer Lies in the Soil, in Perennial Grain, in Precision Fermentation, and in a whole lot more. So, and it gives you a link to a, uh, a place where you can see George, or not, well, actually you can see him, but mainly listen to him in an interview with him at a festival in the UK. And then finally, a visual feast and a provocation, the Earth Emotions photo exhibition, which is mounted in Nelson. And a bit on that, as always, there will be a, a hot tip for a cool planet so that's what we're going to be covering in Climate Matters 79. However, I do want to just give you a little heads up in regard to the elections and Nelson's single transferable vote system. I'm not going to presume to give you a lot of the inside detail, but a couple of comments and a reference to where you'll find more information. The reason I'm doing it here is that we're very pressed for time on all the interviews, and I thought it was best to do it independently of any particular one. So the single transferable vote allows you to put in priority order every one of the candidates for the category you're 
voting for, whether you're in a ward system or a general system, whether it's for the mayors. So you put your priority or preference sequence for everyone except don't put a tick against anybody you don't want to get in because the way the STV or single transferable vote system works is that potentially any vote that you allocate as a second choice or third or fifth choice could potentially become some help to that person getting in as they work through the way the votes are redistributed to give not only everybody the maximum um, impact from their voting, but also to make it as equitable as possible. So if you want more information on that, I suggest you Google Nelson City Council STV, or Single Transferable Vote. And I also suggest that you look on the Fresh FM Climate Matters webpage where we'll put up that link as well. Okay, we better get into a walk on the wilding side. And um, the little editorial bit is saying, it's strange how things sometimes come in waves. And I've just had a big, had big waves of wilding. From the importance of big predators to rewilding a piece of England, from, of course, wilding pines and a controversial article, and to a wonderful interview with George Monbiot, which I've talked about, even to the feedback I've also mentioned on last week's Out of Balance reference, and then also the photo competition I talked about. Okay, so setting the scene. Uh, Peter Olerenshaw is a Nelson-based environmental architect, and Peter and I often compare notes, not always in agreement, on different things. And Peter highlighted that in Climate Matters 78, we had a reference to the red jungle fowls and a remarkable diagram from the Smithsonian Institute magazine, which showed the distribution of creatures in, their, in terms of their mass around the world. And Peter made the point that that gave a completely false impression about the distribution of mammals. And he referenced another graph, which was done by Sean Lee, a New Zealand commentator, which showed just how hugely um, dominant domesticated animals and human beings are compared with wild mammals. If you took the total mass of wild mammals, I'm eyeballing a chart I'm looking at here, and I would say it would be lucky to be much more than 1% or maybe 2% of the total mass of mammals. Cattle, for example, are probably 20 times the mass of all the other wild mammals put together. So check that out. We'll try and give a link to that if we have enough room on the web page. I'm going to reference a quote from Izzy Fenwick, who had a great newsroom article, and I'll give a link to reading it. Our climate crisis is nature's debt collector. What a fascinating concept that this is. We have we have overborrowed from nature, and this is nature's way of recovering the debt that we owe. Next item: bring back the giant mower. Repeated examples show the reintroduction of indigenous large mammals drives the restoration of natural land ecosystems and boosts carbon uptake. Examples are an article I'll link to in Yale's Environment 360 newsletter. Um, but New Zealand, of course, doesn't have wild mammals in its natural history, not on that scale anyway, um, as is illustrated by a map there. So what should we do? Well, not dairy cows, I hasten to add, but it will perhaps bringing back the giant mower would be a way to do that. Not exactly viable, is it? 
the book Wilding, um, or a website that I'll give at nepp.co.uk, do give remarkable insights into the rewilding approach at the huge Nep estate in the UK. And there's a wonderful book just called Wilding on that. Seeing the wood for the trees, damned if we do and damned if we don't. Few have a better eye for central Otago scenery than the celebrated artist Sir Graham Sidney, and his alarm at the Wilding Pines takeover is, as he quotes, an explicit and explosive pattern, but most people don't see the urgency, and it's well-founded. There's a link to a newsroom article. His warning could equally apply to the climate crisis, i.e. an explosive pattern, but most people don't see the urgency. But it begs the question, when should a cherished landscape prevail over an existential crisis? Because those wilding pines are sucking up carbon like crazy. Okay, we don't like them. They're, they're not indigenous species. They're not even planted where we intended to plant them. But they're still a major carbon absorbing mechanism. And that highlights just how far we've messed up our situation. We have a billion trees program that the latest government promoted to sequester more carbon in line with trying to meet our, our Paris Agreement and also offset our emissions. And Doc says we must cull wilding pine pests over 1.8 million hectares. That's a lot of land they're taking over. And if you crunch the numbers on, that's about a billion trees. So we get a fail on both exponential crises. We've got wilding pines taking over where we don't want them. And we're busy planting trees like mad to suck up carbon because of all the emissions we're creating. What a stupid paradox we've got ourselves into. Nate Hagens, who you might have come across or heard of, who's well known for the great simplification podcast that he does. I will put a YouTube link. A quote from him. The North American wilderness requires wolves to thrive. They balance everything. And in fact, I noticed the latest, um, not the latest, but a very recent Guardian Weekly magazine talks about tigers being tripled in number in India with attempts to protect them. There still aren't very many, like 110 up to about 330, but it's still, at least it's in the right direction. The answer lies in the soil, in perennial grain, in precision fermentation, and in lots of other things. If, like me, you know George Monbiot from his well-informed and rather in-your-face articles, I recommend you spend a fascinating and easy-listening hour experiencing his biological expertise and his wonderful mind as he unravels how soil works and what that means for us. I actually was surprised how easy and pleasant he was to listen to, given that his actual, the articles he writes are often pretty acerbic. In the context of regeneration, his new book, and it's actually, I got that wrong, it's Regenesis, I'm sorry, George, Regenesis is his new book. He discusses systemic instability and Riley observes the greatest problem the global food system faces is the global food system. And he explains this in a variety of ways from the global financial crisis to that huge ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal to his study of the Global Food Index and to heat waves in India, which he calls 
a climate shock on a geopolitical shock, and a whole lot more and more. And a final quote from him, in the global financial crisis, governments could bail out the banks with future money, but you can't bail out the food system with future food. I recommend you watch that and we'll put a link on the website. Now, I mentioned a wonderful photographic competition, uh, not competition, exhibition, and it's called Earth Emotions. And the great Nelson Tasman Climate Forum has got it online from now until the 19th of November. There will be a link to that if we've got enough room to put all these links in. But it will also be, or at least a selection of it, will be at the Nelson Refineries Art Space from the 22nd of October. And if you go to online or perhaps at the, the live exhibition too, please give yourself time to work it through. It's, the online one is not the easiest website to actually navigate through, but there's some fascinating work in there, including a whole lot of insightful captions such as, and I didn't know this, such as jellyfish are slowly taking over the ocean due to the rising sea temperatures. Well, we're closing in on the end here, so I will give the traditional hot tip for a cool planet. Give your heart and your head a shot in the arm and take one or two or three of the tips that I've already given about something to read and the thing to read is the Izzy Fenwick article in Newsroom or something to watch. And the thing to watch is the interview with George Monbiot or the thing to visit, visit it, is the Visual Feast, the Earth Emotions photo exhibition. So on that note, I thank you for your company. I just remind you that the Nelson area, but not Tasman, the Nelson area local body elections are under the single transferable vote system, STV. And that means that you will get the chance to put in your preferential order every one of the candidates you can vote for in your order of priority. But don't give any ticks to ones you actually don't want to see in the council because otherwise they could benefit from your vote. But do vote. So on that note, I wish you a kia kaha for the climate and thank you very much for your company, which I hope we enjoy again next week. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.